This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria, Australia's oldest drama teacher association. Consider becoming a member to take advantage of the many member benefits. This podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples, and we would like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, and welcome to The Aside, a podcast of drama teachers and students. I'm Lawrence Page, and in this episode, I'm joined by an experienced drama teacher of 25 years in Victoria. He is a friend to all drama teachers with engaging conference presentations, a committee member for Drama Victoria, plus various roles with VCAR. Today, we're joined by veteran drama teacher Sam Mackey as we talk about teaching immersive theatre. Sam, good to be with you. Always a pleasure to be with you, Lawrence. Today, you're talking about teaching immersive theatre. So tell us, what is immersive theatre? Well, immersive theatre, it's... It could be argued that it's not totally immersive theatre. It's kind of this sort of hybrid theatre that was actually influenced by the first immersive experience I had, which was a show called Don't Look Back uh, at Adelaide many, many years ago. And it was more the idea of uh, an audience that travels through an experience as against kind of that idea of the immersive where anyone can go anywhere at any time. So uh, I took this idea because in Unit 3 theatre, and especially because I had classes that combined one, two, three, four. I was looking for a way to break up smaller groups and get a lot of things happening at once. That's when I came up with this idea of like, well, let's divide and conquer. Let's manipulate and play with the whole school environment. And rather than kind of creating and designing for one place, let's design for a whole lot. And so that was sort of the beginning of the idea. The idea that there were smaller performances going on all over a school got really exciting. And so our first one was a 90-minute show in 14 locations around a school. That's incredible. How do you decide where you perform? Like, where are your locations? Well, that's the exciting thing, that you when you've broken this up. So, for example, our last one, uh, the one that I did this year, okay, um, worked a, very, a kind of an absurdist theme. It was very much um, this idea of kind of the road to nowhere. Um, and so what we did is we played with the idea of once we'd broken up groups that they would they went in search they explored the whole school and found Gotto's tree and found the balcony in which Pinter's couple sat and watched the matchstick seller they they found all the locations they want and then it was just a case of kind of mapping it out and seeing it and the other joy of this it also means that when you're working in lots of small script excerpts what you can do is that you have multiple groups working at the same time. You have designers who become specifically engaged in one. So you can have three costume designers because they're all dedicated to different little projects and things like that. So it works really, really well. How would you start by teaching this kind of unit? Okay. So first of all, you're you're looking at the numbers that you've got. Okay. So you, this is why it works the permutations and combinations thing really well because you add up your kids and you go, all right, I've got 16 kids, 13 of them want to act, okay? Um, so, uh, again, I'm looking at size and scale here. I'm looking at scenes that are only three, four, five minutes long, okay, that involve two, three, four people. So it's a case of kind of adding that up. And then it was just finding a common thread. So in this case, we did absurdist stuff. So we played with, as I said, Beckett, Godot, Pinter, um, uh, in fact, we threw in a bit of Under Milkwood there. We did a little bit of Ruby Moon. We took absurdist things from all over because that enabled as well the Unit 1-2 kids to kind of um, explore different theatre styles, which they had to be doing at the same time whilst my 3-4 were doing the production process, sort of 3.1 thing. So, yeah, it's just a case of matching 
time and effort. Um, and as I said, it's a really good working technique because when you're working little sequences, five-minute sequences everywhere, that's very achievable. You can set short deadlines for design, rehearsal, completion, get that one locked in, get on to the next one. And then you have your dramaturges, okay, um, in these days that's everyone, finding the threads. What is it that carries us through? And so we designed two characters. In this case, we used the voices from Under Milkwood, became our tour guides for the whole thing. That's incredible. So you actually have to script um, what you're doing as well as choosing locations. Well, yeah, it works well because it's part of the kids' dramaturgy that they actually design the little um, the blurbs that take like it's like gallery guides. They're taking that, that audience to the next site and they're setting them up so that they walk into the context of what they're getting. You know what I mean? The, the background to the story because you're only getting five minute excerpts. Um, so yeah, they, their job is twofold. One, to keep it pacey because you don't want this to turn into a slow thing. So their job is to move people through. Uh, but as said, to just entice them at the start of the show with what they're about to get. So yeah, we we started out outside, inside, upstairs, atriums, balconies, everywhere we could find, from the tiniest spaces to the biggest things. It was it was really exciting. And how do you not get in trouble with other teachers when you're trying to rehearse this kind of content? Do you know they love it? And it's actually a great promo for your work that um, that they kind of see what's going on because they're suddenly going, they're seeing groups of kids sort of designing and playing. Like, you know, where lighting kids start, you tell kids every, the lighting kids knew that they could only use two lights maximum anywhere unless they were little intrinsic lights as well, you know, a lamp or whatever. But they had two park hands or LED spots or whatever. As, that was it. So they're going around trying to see how they can maximise that. Um, so, yeah, look, no, it just it, it actually was a great promotion because these kids were all over the school and people just asked questions. So do you just say to the kids, right, two lights, find a space, or how do you show them what immersive theatre means? Um, uh, that's a really good question. As said, I've never used the term immersive directly. I probably t I spoke more in terms of exhibits. So it is immersive in that, you know, you're, you're wandering around a much bigger space and finding, but it's not immersive in that sense, as I said, that it's kind of anywhere, anytime. So that's why I call it a hybrid model. But that, as I said, the very first one I saw was like that. So they've got to trust you a bit because you can you can show them there is one great book on verbatim, the, uh, not, um, immersive sort of stuff. You can show them little snippets of ideas, but really they just got to have to go with you. And yeah, that they they sit in a bit of cloud of mystery for a while. But once they, once they start watching each other, they get really excited because they find links. They kind of go, oh, my God, you do that, you do that. And so suddenly that's when the set designer goes, right, every place is going to have a post box. That's our link. We're going to have a mailman take us everywhere. So how do you um, then do a formative task for this kind of unit? Uh, still the same. So uh, as we said, we're, you're breaking kids up. Um, so once we, I introduce uh, a whole lot of options in terms of play scripts. Um, their holiday task was to investigate and find which plays interested them. They chose one, focused on it, looked at it more closely. Um, if they wanted to choose a scene, I thought it could work, they went with it, but otherwise I would recommend something. So it was very much a case of they got to get a pool of plays and choose the bits out of it. From there, the dramaturgy and things are focused and you you, you have these great production meetings where it's kind of like, you know, you do that classic script analysis of what do you need, how do you need, you know, um, do that first thing and, again, find those commonalities. But 
you then you, you still have to give a production brief. So, for example, um, you take walls out of play. Okay, it's not about decorating walls or whatever. And we talked about soft fabrics, okay, and stuff like that. So you, you place limitations on the way they think because otherwise you're talking about 14 set designs, you know, 14, where it can get out of control. Um, so, yeah, you, you work out ways to kind of limit their thinking. And that's why the same with the lighting. So they really got excited by lighting, not necessarily the people, but sort of like the wall, like curtains and fabrics and things like that. Um, which, you know, with something like Ruby Moon, I'm not sure if you know it, but it works really, really well because you've got these two um, characters who are deliberately playing dress-ups with each other to discuss where their missing child has gone. So you saw them disappear behind the curtains. You watched them get changed and then reappear as different characters. So using those sorts of spaces worked really, really well. Great. To finish... What would you say is the best ideal space for this kind of work? And what would be the worst ideal space for this kind of work? Ah, okay, so we were inside and outside. And when you've set up four, we had four stations outside. And when you're watching a thunderstorm come, <laughs> and literally it was due to arrive on almost bang on the show starting, and you're trying to make a decision because you've got electrical, you know, you've, you've got, it's a really exciting health and safety thing to play with all your electricals and stuff and work out how sound travels, you know, to 14 different locations. But the, in that case, we used everything from, you know, phones and portable Bluetooth speakers up to full sound systems, depending on where the kids want to go. But um, so outside is, is guiding, but it's a risk. Inside, one of the most exciting places we had was that central to our school is this kind of three levels with an, with an atrium, an open space. Um, and it has, instead of just a stairwell, it actually has this sort of broken, you know, bits where kids can sit halfway down the stairs all the way. What that gave us was a scene that went halfway up the first set of stairs, then a scene that uh, was a conversation between the bottom and the top level, the second floor, where two characters, so the audience were looking down and then up, down and then up. And then on the middle floor, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern started going at each other. So where you got that, where there were multiple perspectives of the same space, that's where it's exciting, where things could come from different spaces and the audience didn't move. That's amazing. Sam Mackey, thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to start playing with this kind of work. Oh, it, it, as I said, I couldn't be more excited. And if anyone wants to find out more, I'm more than happy for them to contact me. Um, I have sent some stuff out to a few people who sure showed an interest, so I'm more than happy to share what I did. Beautiful. We will put those links in the podcast information. Thank you so much for your time. Lovely to talk to you. And that's all for this episode of The Aside. Huge thanks to Sam Mackey for giving us his time. You can find out more about Sam's ideas by clicking on the podcast links. If you would like to ask us a question or you have a suggestion for a future episode, feel free to contact us on asidepodcast.com. We respond to a number of emails each week and are always happy to help. Thank you to Drown Victoria for their ongoing support. Thank you to Aaron Self for providing the music. And of course, thank you 